there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career double shot K-Cup with my guest, Alex Grodnick. I want to pivot now. To after you graduated from college, you went to Franklin and Marshall and you went right to Wall Street. You alluded in the Time for Coffee Espresso shots and our listeners can check out show notes to see if that episode has already dropped. But you alluded to the fact that even though it's a very regimented process, the recruiting process to land in one of these big companies on Wall Street, you had a different path there. What was that path and how did you land at JP Morgan? Yeah, basically all comes down to just not taking no for an answer. I mean, it would be hard to get this job in a good economy. I got this job in the middle of the financial crisis. And the way that I did it was by forging relationships with people that were working in these banks. I knew that none of these banks were going to come to my school. I mean, some of them were, but they didn't because of the crisis. So I wasn't just going to be able to drop a resume on an on-campus recruiting center. I was going to have to go out and try to make what I wanted to make happen. And so I don't know the number, but hundreds, I mean, probably less than a thousand, but more than 500 cold emails to people. And, you know, you're figuring out what the email address format is for Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan. And then you're finding people that you have some type of commonality with. Maybe you went to the same high school, the same college. Maybe you you know live in the same area or you know someone that's in common. And if you don't have those things, that's okay too. You can still cold email people, but you're really trying to connect with people on a human basis and say, hey, you know, can we have a quick 10, 15 minute phone call? And then trying from there to escalate that to another phone call, maybe a little bit longer. Then from there, maybe to a coffee. Then from there, maybe a meeting in their office. And you're just, all this is trying to get a job interview. It's just, it's a long process that's going to be filled with rejection. And so the key to it, the key to all of this is that you can't be afraid to hear no. So you really need to desensitize yourself to the fear of rejection and get into how you could start to think about doing that. But whatever you're doing in life, you're trying to get a job at a hard to get company, or you're trying to raise money for your startup like I'm trying to do now. I mean, you're going to get told no hundreds and hundreds of times. My brother is a uh, an actor. I live in Los Angeles. He lives in Los Angeles. If he let every producer or director or whatever it is tell him no, that he's not going to have the part and just got sad and felt bad for himself and was lazy and didn't move on, then like he wouldn't be an actor. It requires a really thick skin and just continuing to push forward through it all. So how did you develop that thick skin? It's called rejection therapy. And it's a process of desensitization. And so you can look at it as say you're afraid of germs. And if every single day you walk into some public place and you put your hands on a doorknob or a rail on a staircase or something, over time, you're going to see that 
you're fine. You're not sick. You're still alive. That things are okay. So over time, you're going to start to not be afraid of germs so much. I had a friend that just, he left finance and he went and traveled the world and he lived in South America for a while. And he was really afraid of spiders. And he told me that after living in the South American jungle for six months, that he could care less about a spider anymore. So this is how our brains work. And we're naturally programmed to be afraid of hearing no. We don't want that. From an evolutionary perspective, when you get no, you starve, you die, you get eaten by a lion. So you're always trying to not get rejected. So that's just naturally programmed into us. But if you actively seek out rejection and you hear it over and over and over, all of a sudden you start to realize, hey, like this is no big deal. And so you can game the system, which is the cool part about it is, yes, I want to ask for jobs or for money for my startup, or I want to ask someone to go out on a date with me. And those things are hard to do. So if I go through life asking for really, really small rejections that are actually kind of pretty easy to ask for, then you can start to build up that muscle. And over time, and I'm not talking about a lot of time, I'm talking about days or weeks, you can desensitize yourself to the fear of rejection. So the way it works is, or the way that I put it into practice, is every day when I bought my sandwich for lunch, I would say, hey, can I please have a discount on this sandwich? And actually, Andrea, you'd be surprised that so many times you actually get a discount. People Seriously? Oh, yeah. People want to help you. And so this is one of the cool pieces of, of rejection therapy is, yeah, the goal of it is to get rejected. But the cool piece of it is, A, that you start to see the world in a really positive light because as you're starting to go out there and put yourself out there and ask for things, you end up getting a lot of yeses. And so I can go into some of the like the yeses and things that I got, but it really affirms for you how great mankind is and that we want to help. The other cool piece of it is, yeah, you're going to get some confidence because you're going to be able to just ask for things and not be afraid to do it. But you also get an increased sense of humility. And what I mean by that is, say you're sitting in a classroom and you want to ask a question in class. And we all are sitting there saying, oh, should we ask the question? Should I not ask the question? Is this a good question? Is this a dumb question? And literally, I can tell you after you ask the question, nobody remembers. No one cares. No one even knows that you asked that question. And the reason for that is because we're all so caught up in thinking about ourselves and thinking, is this a good hair day for me? Do I look good today? Should I ask this question today? When was the last time that you looked at someone else and said, oh, they're having, they're having a bad hair day? You wouldn't. That's not how it works because we're all concerned about ourselves. And so as you start to put yourself out in the world and ask for things, you get a lot of yeses, you get increased confidence, but you start to see that like no one cares. Really, if you ask someone some stupid question, you say, hey, can I have a high five? Can I have a dollar? Can I have a hug? Can I have a ride across town? All pretty simple things to ask for. No one's going to remember that you asked any of these things and no one cares. And you think, oh, I'm going to sound stupid, but you really don't. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.